Welcome to What the Food with Karen Van Barneveld. Much of the time, we mindlessly consume food without really thinking about what's in it and how it affects us. Not only is some food addictive, it also might be unsafe. On our program, you'll find the answers about why food is addictive, how it affects us, and how to find a safe route to better health. Now, here is your host, Karen Van Barneveld. Hey, this is Karen Van Barneveld with What the Food, where we share the good, the bad, and the ugly about what you're putting on your plate and how it might be affecting your health. I have my friend, and I call clean restaurateur, David Giving Tree with me today. Thank you for being on the show today, David. Thanks for inviting me, Karen. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here and share. Thank you. Well, you certainly have a lot to share and a lot of uh, background. And let me give you guys, you uh, listeners, a little of that background about David. He's focused on organic and vegetarian cuisine. He's the founder and former, former executive chef of Sedona's nationally recognized eatery, Choc- Chocolate Tree. And Chocolate Tree Organic Oasis is proclaimed the healthiest restaurant in America, a sanctuary that nurtures your authenticity. David has developed a menu full of fresh flavors available in a casual atmosphere in convenient locations around and in Sedona, Phoenix, and most recently Scottsdale, actually last week. He opened that place in Scottsdale. Giving Tree Cafe is our expression of authentic world, an authentic world of sustainable abundance, a reflection of our connection to spirit that honors Mother Earth our community, and ourselves, he says. Giving Tree Cafe is founded on the principles of healthy, gluten-free, organic, and vegetarian dining with focuses on Ayurvedic healing food combining top quality, often locally sourced ingredients. That's, I, I know from experience, personal experience, that the food at Chocolate Tree is fantastic, and I've had the opportunity to come to one of his new restaurants. So, again, welcome, David. Thank you, Karen. Um, After hearing that, I think, wow, I'd like to eat there. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to start, David, by asking you what your interest is in our food supply and why why restaurants? Big question. We could talk for hours and hours just on that one question alone. Um, I'll start with the second. Why restaurants uh, is the restaurant industry that actually led me to clean, healthy eating. Um, I've been a chef for 47 years and been in the restaurant industry for that period of time as well. I owned my first restaurant when I was 22 years old, and I'm on my 26th one now. I've been wow. in Scottsdale last week. So that's, that's my industry. That's the way that I express uh, here on, in this lifetime on this planet. And so that's the answer question. Um, my interest in the food supply is very much uh, hand in glove with your interest in allowing people to understand what they're putting on their plate, what they're consuming, where the food comes from, and being the bridge between what they then know and how to get cleaner food into their, onto their plate. Um, the most common uh, question that I hear from people is, okay, now that I'm 
uh, nutritionally woke. Now that I'm sustainably woke, what do I do now? It seems like I need to make all my food at home now because there isn't a way that I can even go to the, the big chain stores or um, anywhere but a farmer's market to get the clean type of food that we, we profess to need. And so having restaurants in the Phoenix area is my way of being a bridge and connecting those healthy eaters with a healthy food supply. Hmm. So 20, how many restaurants you, you've had? I'm on my 26th now. Giving 26. Tree Cafe in Phoenix was 25, and we just opened up Scottsdale on Tuesday. So it's, uh, it's all of six days old. Um, and in between 26 and number one, I, I've done quite a bit um, to bring, to deliver different styles of food to people in a way that is that bridge, but I've never done it in such a um, dramatic and drastic fashion as I'm, I'm doing it now. In other words, my, my other restaurants weren't 100% organic. They weren't 100% gluten-free. They weren't 100% soy-free the way Giving Tree Cafe is. Um, but I was always leaning in that direction. As a matter of fact, I, I told the story last week when I sat down with a group of investors in my very first restaurant. I was 22 years old at the time. And they asked me what it was I, I had in mind. And I told them my, my goal is to actually open the healthiest restaurant in America. <laughs> and they were kind of shocked by that because uh, actually putting health and food, restaurant food together usually was a disconnect. Uh, yes. And they looked at each other and said, wow, that's, that's cool. We'll, we'll get behind that. And so um, that's what I chose to do back then. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago, we were actually declared the healthiest food, the healthiest restaurant in America by uh, a couple of different writers. And it's since been uh, parroted by others. And to me, it's only the beginning. If there's uh, the reason we're doing the Phoenix stores is so that we can spread our healthy diet across the entire city. And then from there, we're, our plan is to go nationwide and do giving tree cafes across the country. Because quite frankly, it doesn't do you much good in Cleveland to know what you find out on your radio broadcast, for instance, and not be able to avail yourself of it. And quite frankly, the society that we live in right now, people are eating out more and more. They're, uh, they're eating food quicker than ever before. They're, um, they're on the run more than ever before trying to get the nutrition they need. And that's all part of the problem that you've talked about again on your radio shows so often that our, our world is turning into a fast food world mm -hmm. where we're so disconnected from our food supply that we think it's normal to grab a packaged food in a styrofoam container and woof it down and, you know, wash it down with a, a carbonated beverage. And we think that that's a meal when in fact it's one step closer to disaster, both for yeah. your physical health and for the planet. Well, and, um, so, and so many people don't even understand what they're eating or know where it comes from, whether it's from a lab or from a tree or from the ground. Exactly. Um, even the people, the majority of the people that I meet that are interested in vegetarianism or even veganism think that a, uh, an impossible patty 
dropped on a griddle with canola oil <laughs> on a gluten <laughs> bun with a sauce that comes out of a can <laughs> is, a, is a healthy alternative. And when they really do the investigation and find out what lab that was made in and uh -huh. that is an actual real bread, even though it's called bread, and that sauce is loaded with GMOs and pesticides and herbicides, and they realize, yeah, it might taste good, and yes, they're not killing an animal, so obviously there's some compassion there as far as the um, animal cruelty issue goes. However, they're still destroying the planet almost as quickly as factory farming. Mm -hmm. They're still destroying their own uh, health, and they're also um, actually fooling themselves and deluding themselves so that they think that they've actually solved the problem, which they've just kind of switched lanes. Yeah. Well, how long ago did you open Chocolate Tree, and what was the initial response from other restaurateurs about your vision for serving clean food? The Chocolate Tree was an interesting experiment. It wasn't just a... Um, it wasn't just a restaurant, but my daughter and I said, let's open up a restaurant that's 100% sustainable. And because it needed to be sustainable, obviously it, to us it needed to be 100% organic. We weren't just going to play lip service to the organic thing the way most places do. Mm -hmm. um, we had to be 100% gluten-free. We wanted to be soy-free because soy, um, obviously it, it's the number one uh, protein alternative for vegetarians and vegans, but it's mm -hmm. uh, helping to destroy the planet too. It's our number one GMO crop in the world. We can go on and on about that. Right. It's really a very healthy food. It's not meant to be in our food supply, certainly not in the quantities that we see it. So we wanted to do all that with chocolate tree. However, there was more to it. We, um, we do business in a way that's called divine commerce and chocolate tree was actually founded on principles of divine commerce where we not only were sustainable with the food that we served going forward seven generations, but the way we did business was also sustainable going forward. And that's a big problem in the food system. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. Sure, please do. By sustainability business-wise, what we did is we changed the hierarchy of values in what it was we were doing our best to accomplish with a business. And in most businesses, the number one hierarchy is you make as much money as you possibly can. And the number two hierarchy is you do that as quickly as possible. And businesses that revolve around those two hierarchies, to me, are almost always doomed to fail because they don't take into account other levels of uh, business structure that are needed for sustainability. So in other words, what we did is we made our number one priority and our number one hierarchy of value, what's the impact that what we're doing on the planet going forward seven generations. So Mother Earth mm. first. Number two, we wanted to see what the impact was to our guests and our uh, people that supported us. Number three was our staff. Number four is our purveyors and number five is ourselves. So we're in the top 10. We need to take care of ourselves as well. Sure. However, we wanted to make sure that the planet was taken care of first. So, for instance, if somebody comes into the restaurant and they're uh, pitching a new product, uh, we'll, use, we'll use some of the new burgers as an example. 
and they say, well, you're a vegan restaurant and we've got vegan burgers. So this is a match made in heaven. This is a perfect fit for you. <laughs> and so the first question I ask is, what's the impact on the planet going forward seven generations? And oftentimes when I ask that question to people, they kind of look at me stunned because they've actually never thought about it. Mm-hmm. And it's so far off their radar that they don't actually know how to even think about the answer. But when you do think about the question, what's the impact of an impossible burger on the planet going forward seven generations, clearly there's going to be some benefit to the cow population. So that's a plus. (laughs) However, the chemicals that go into it that are in our bodies don't sustain our healthiest vibrant system. As a matter of fact, they actually help destroy our bodies. And Mm -hmm. so they're not even sustainable one generation, right? Yeah. And so at that point, we shake our heads and say, thank you very much. No, thank you. As opposed to a local organic farmer that says, David, I've been an organic farmer for five years here in the outskirts of Phoenix, and I've got uh, heirloom tomatoes and heirloom uh, peppers, both hot and sweet. I've got some onions and garlic, and I've got some kale. Ask the same questions. He's 100% organic, so he's not putting herbicides and pesticides into the soil. He's using uh, farming methods that are sustainable. He's using permaculture, probably. So that's a person that is going to be on my radar as somebody that I can work with. Mm -hmm. And so it's a collection of those farmers and those purveyors that actually provide the food for Giving Tree Cafes. And part of the importance of working with those farmers is that if we don't support them and they have a problem and can't stay in business, then we become slaves to big agriculture. And those are the people that are putting all of the pesticide and herbicide laden foods on our shelves. Yes. As a matter of fact, if you go into that big green grocer that's got a green and white sign out in front and they have have hole in their name, (laughs) When you go into that store, you go to the produce section first, usually the way it's laid out. And it's interesting to me to see that almost all the food in even that section is conventional. It's not organic. And I, I remember I was actually interviewed about 20 years ago when I lived in Chicago. And there was another big chain. It was called Fresh Fields. And the interviewer was asking me, what do you like better, Whole Foods or Fresh Fields? And Whole Foods at the time was, was new in the business. And I said, you know, I really don't think Whole Foods really has their head around this because they do things like um, organic flour, but it's white bleach. Like, why would they bleach it white? They, they yeah. can't get the way we think because they're actually adding chemicals to the food that really don't work for our, our, our most uh, highest vibration. And I also said to them at the time, I said that Whole Foods right now, when I asked them, they're saying that about two-thirds of their food, their groceries are organic and one-third are conventional. And the reason they're doing conventional is because those are farmers that are transitioning from conventional to organic. And they haven't gone the whole three- or four-year process yet to become certified organic, but they're in the process. Hmm. And so... Here it is now 20 years later, yeah. and I'm still waiting. Yeah. That, that line then was kind of believable because they were new in the marketplace, and I, I had that wait-and-see attitude, and I was going to give them the benefit of the doubt because 
several people I know, including good friends, have done the same thing. They've either converted from conventional to organic or they've purchased conventional farms and then are transitioning them to organic. And the process is a minimum of three, usually a four-year process. And yeah. so you want to give them a break. You want to support them. But here it is. It's over 20 years later now, and they're still feeding us conventional food. And mm -hmm. it looks pretty, and it kind of looks the same. And if you don't read the packaging, you maybe not know. But there's still a lot of pesticides and herbicides in even the stores that hold themselves up to be the healthiest stores that we can get our food from. Yeah. And to me, that's... I don't. I don't want. I can't call it criminal on the radio, but it, to me, it's extremely unethical. Definitely Mis unethical. Mislead people that way. The lack of integrity, in in my opinion. And again, to me, what they're doing is they're putting profits before principles. They're mm -hmm. trying to make the most amount of money from people that think they're doing the right thing. And I talk to people all the time, kind of on a daily basis. And they say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really healthy. I, I eat at that. I, I buy my groceries at that whole, rest, that whole uh, grocery store. And, uh, and I ask them, well, how much do you, that you buy is organic? And they say, well, all of it. I'm, I'm there at Whole Foods. Of course, it's organic. And <laughs> they kind of, they kind of, most people don't even really know. They don't. Well, so they, they don't even read, read the signs in the produce section. The, they are in the produce sections there there's organic and there's conventional but they're not clearly marked and i think that's by design of course it is uh, I mean, that's I why I, I shop at natural grocers because all of their produce is organic but even at natural grocers i am very reticent on to to buy things that are out of the country because i know that they're not as uh regulated Exactly. So yeah, when you're well, getting your yeah, go ahead. Um, so what the, the other part of my question was what other what was the response from uh, other restaurateurs about you serving clean food? I mean, did you get any flack or kickback? Not kickback, but uh, feedback on that. You know, like I said, when we first opened uh, Chocotree in Sedona, my daughter and I had this little boutique restaurant. We literally had four employees. And so we weren't doing too much to ruffle any feathers or to make any noise. But as time went on, we could see the other chefs and restaurateurs in the area coming into checking out what we do. And we all we were always kind of looked at this, this cute little boutique and uh, isn't that sweet how they're doing you know, local gardening and uh, using some of their own food from their own gardens and their own restaurants, et cetera. And so it wasn't until several years later when we actually became more of a force in the, uh, the area that people started asking me uh, what I was doing. And with all the chefs and all the owners, I would explain 100% what I was doing. And I would even give them recipes if they asked. Hmm. And it was funny that there's not a single restaurant that has switched over or changed because of what we were doing, even though it's become well known that that's the restaurant in Sedona that's the busiest, that's the most yeah. successful. And it's the one that's hardest to get a seat. It's hardest to get a part. And yet the resistance is so embedded in the heads of the owners or the chefs in these restaurants that they just simply don't want to change. Hmm. It's kind of shocking to me. 
It's it's shocking and it's sad. And and something that you mentioned about the the uh, integrity of your vision in restaurants and the the number uh, your first, second, third, fourth, fifth priorities. You know your your employees. I I think you said were third or fourth. And I notice when I go into your restaurants that they always seem so happy and comfortable in in their work environment and um that's really important to me they're they're also very accommodating and on the spot when you need something so i i know how important it is for for us to treat others who we come across in our lives with compassion and understanding and uh acceptance so I'm I'm very aware that that's a, a an important part of your vision for making the world a better place. And how do you think that your vision or or project has the impact to change the world? I know you went over that a little bit, but let's let's go into that a little deeper. Well, uh, that's a really good question. Again, we could speak for hours on that. Um, the big vision at Giving Tree Cafe is actually. Uh, every child being born with their own orchard, their own garden, their own fresh water supply, their own clean air, so they can live a healthy, vibrant life if they choose to. And the way that Giving Tree is the bridge for that is um, right now that vision is too big of a step. There's not a bridge for it. but one of the things that we do as a side project is we teach people how to actually take control of their own food source and grow their own little mini gardens in their backyards mm-hmm. or make a little orchard in their front yard. If they're planting trees, why not make uh, one of them a citrus tree and one of them a mulberry tree and possibly one of them an apricot or apple tree if they'll grow in the area and t- kind of take some control of your own food supply if you possibly can. Um, Lettuce towers and things like that indoors are fun. Uh, windowsill, uh, mint and basil and uh, you know, garlic in your backyard is a step towards that. Um, and so by giving Tree Cafe, being a model for that, when people say, well, see, well, listen, if they're growing some of their own produce out in the middle of a desert and it's 112 degrees outside, <laughs> then we can do this too. And already this year, so many people that walk park in our parking lot and then walk up these steps to come into the restaurant and see fresh basil and fresh mint and peppers and chard um, and wild onions, etc. growing. There's at the very least an, a subtle or unconscious message, but a lot of people walk in the door and say, my goodness, I didn't realize that peppers could grow here. I'm going to, I'm going to plant <laughs> some tomorrow. So it is making a, a difference on, on that level. But the big vision with clean water, clean air has a lot to do with not only a vegan plant-based diet, but also how we do it. So for instance, um, disinfectants are a really important part of the restaurant industry and all businesses that keep themselves clean. And now with COVID being on everybody's mind, disinfectants are even more important to focus on. Uh, When we opened up, Giving Tree Cafe, we talked to the health department about it and said that we are going to use iodine as a disinfectant, not chlorine bleach. Mm-hmm. 
and they kind of looked at us and said, I, I think that's legal. Let me let me look in the books and let me check and see. <laughs> and so they came back and said, yep, sure enough, you can use iodine as a disinfectant. Uh-huh. It's a completely different process. And they asked me, they looked at me and said, why would you want to do that? And so I talked a little bit about chlorine bleach and how mm-hmm. it leaches into the water supply and eventually gets into our streams and rivers and eventually is carried out into the oceans. And I talked to the health department about the large, the huge dead spots in our oceans that are bigger yeah. than the country of France that are mm-hmm. floating around in the Atlantic and Pacific Ocean where it is impossible for fish or even any kind of um, algae to live because of the high oxygen content. And that's all caused by chlorine bleach in our in our food supply or in our, in our cleaning supplies, et cetera. So by having the first restaurant that isn't using chlorine bleach, we help to be a model for others to catch on. And obviously the first step doesn't really make a big difference, but eventually there'll be 10 of us and then a hundred of us and then a thousand and we will be a movement. And so part of what Giving Tree Cafe's vision for the impact on change in the world is just to be that first step. And we, uh, it's interesting to me that there aren't the majority of the population to believe the things that we're talking about right now. It's actually not on their radar for the most part. But people that do think that we, the way that we do, Karen, are very loyal when they find a place that they can get a clean organic meal or a delicious vegan meal, or they know that the people that are cleaning their uh, dishwares, et cetera, and wiping the tables down are doing it with non-chlorine bleach, they become very loyal. And so even though we only cater to a very small part of the population right now, our guests are very, very loyal. And a lot of them can't eat anywhere else. They either cook food at home or they eat at Giving Tree Cafe. They feel um, safe. And they feel safe. They exactly. feel cared for. And they feel and they appreciated. Also, yes, and go they also ahead. Feel like they're part of the mission and part of the vision of cleaning the world up. They're actually doing something that they yes. can... Um, how would you say it? Vote with their dollars, I guess. Exactly. Say it. With so your fork. Support a business that actually is supporting organic gardeners, is supporting a local, is supporting a clean world. And that loyalty actually turns into eventually profitability. Mm-hmm. And so it's a way to do business where, for instance, profits and making the most amount of money the fastest isn't at the top of the priority list. And right. yet your success is assured when you can just get the word out that we're on the path to helping clean up the world. Yes. Well, we're going to take a short break here. Hey, listeners, you can find out more information about David's restaurants uh, in Phoenix, Scottsdale, and Sedona. Uh, you're on Facebook. Are you on Twitter and LinkedIn, David? We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and just this week we got on TikTok. All right. Well, come on back, folks. We're going to be talking about how changes in lives, how how many people David has talked to, not exact number, but how many people have have seen real change in their health as a result of what David is doing in his restaurants. Join us. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you confused about what to eat? What's really in some of the foods you've been eating? And how they affect the health of you and your loved ones? Did you know that what people eat can affect addictive behaviors? How did food get to be so confusing, so toxic, and so addictive? When and why did this start? What is safe and where can I find it? Join Karen Van Barneveld and her guests to find answers to many of your important questions on What the Food? Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Voice America is available on your Google Connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. You are listening to What the Food. To reach Karen Van Barneveld or her guest on the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to karen at whatthefoodfilm.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to WTF What the Food. I'm with David Giving Tree a very dear friend and restaurateur in Arizona. And we've been talking about why he's doing what he's doing in his restaurants, being organic, non-GMO, which if you're organic, you're not supposed to be GMO, and sustainable, et cetera. And uh, David, I remember talking with you last year about a friend you were helping with her health and food issues. Can you tell us a little bit about... uh, why people come to you? I mean, it's obvious to me, but why do you have people coming to you about their serious health issues? Um, well, yeah, the friend you're referring to um, was uh, suffering from uh, diabetes. She was also um, about 150 pounds overweight, mm. uh, very lethargic, she had very little energy. There were other health issues that were starting to mount with her. And she actually came to me because she said, I can feel things going on in my body and I don't think I'm on this planet much longer if I don't change. And so I asked her about her diet and she was working as a nurse and nursing assistant and was always on the go. And her food was almost always consumed in her car from going from one uh, sick patient to another. That was interesting that she was 
helping other people with their with their health. Mm-hmm. And so she was eating a lot of fast food and um, was suffering for it. And so I, I said to her, if you um, if you can stay on this regimen for 30 days, I think it'll make uh, a big impact. And she agreed to do that. And so I fed her food from our restaurant, 100% organic, gluten-free, soy-free, vegan food for 30 days. And in that time, I also invited her into the kitchen so she could learn how to prepare the food that we prepare so that when she was through with the 30 days, she would actually have the resources and the skill set in order to continue with the regimen. So we taught her to juice. We taught her to dehydrate food. We taught her all the recipes in our restaurant so that she could take those recipes home with her and uh, continue to feed herself. And in the 30 days following, she had lost 50 pounds. Wow. Uh, by the way, she hardly exercised at all. It was hard for her to move around. So uh, we went on walks at night when she had the energy, but it wasn't very often that we actually did that. And um, she actually, um, her blood sugar level was lowered to the point where she was no longer considered diabetic. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying that there was a cure, but I'm saying that her blood sugar level was at a point where she was now um, free from having to take insulin on a daily basis. Um, There are many, many other examples of this that I've done through the years. Um, Dr. Gabriel Cousins down in Patagonia, Arizona is kind of famous for the work that he does, not just with vegan food, but raw vegan food for 30 days and the uh, almost miraculous results you get. So the, the results that we're talking about from this one person are well documented. Um, actually, coincidentally, I hadn't talked with her a while, so we uh, we talked yesterday, and she's still on track. Hmm. Um, she's still continuing with her process. Um, she did say that it was working in the kitchen and working in the restaurant that actually gave her the uh, wherewithal and the bridge to be able to continue. Uh, she lives in, in Tucson. She's not nearby. But with those skills, she could take them home and now cooks regularly for herself at home so that if she does have to eat a meal out now occasionally, she'll know what to order and how to order it so that she can keep herself clean and then go back home to her regular regimen. Um, I could give you literally dozens and dozens of accounts like that. Mm -hmm. Um, We all know, we've heard since the time we were little, that you are what you eat. Yes. And yet... So often we see people in line eating food that we know is not very healthy for us that I think somewhere along the line, our brains seem to think, well, it must be okay. Everyone else is doing it (laughs) or it must be all right because they're not dead yet or it it must be okay because how do these companies stay in business if it isn't? And it certainly tastes great. But once people get their head around the fact that most places that serve you food don't really care at all about the health or the lack of health in that food and that they're just out to make a buck and they'll do almost anything to make a buck, including putting addictive substances in it like salts and sugars and oils that are literally addictive to make you come back for more and more. Once you get your head around that, that that's the game that certain people are playing and that your health or lack of it isn't in the equation at all. It's only how much money they can extract from you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
then it's easier to see that, oh, to kind of draw a dividing line elsewhere that, okay, maybe I will be more discerning about where it is that I go to eat my food and I'll be more discerning about what I put into my body. Um, and then we can, make a, we can make a change. We can make a lasting change and not only change our physical health, but also change the health of the world. Because quite frankly, the things that are poisoning your body are also poisoning the planet. Exactly. Well, the, the practical application, the education is so, so important for people like you and me and anybody who knows more to share with people because, you know, they, people say, well, yeah, but I mean, I can go out and eat healthy food in a, you know, place like the giving tree, but then I come home and I've got all this crap in my kitchen that's not healthy because I don't know how to cook mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. I don't have the time to cook, you know, or any, any myriad of, of reasons. But if, if you can teach people just a few practical uh, recipes, practical application of how, how to make their own food at home in a healthy way, that's, that's going to be a huge transitional point for a lot of people. And now in, in the advent of COVID, more people are having to stay home and cook for themselves. So I, I think it's the perfect time, the perfect storm, if you will, to let people know that, yeah, as long as you're home and you're, you're not feeling good about what you're eating at home, start to make some changes, start to educate yourself. So important, Karen. Can I say something about recipes? Sure, sure. And it be anyone that wants any recipe from me, all they need to do is email me. I give all my recipes out. Um, I don't have any, um, what would you call that? Jealousy or control. I, I want the whole world to be able to eat healthy food. And so I don't keep my recipes close to my best. There's no trade secrets here. I give them to everybody, including other chefs and other business owners, res other restaurant owners. So if anybody is interested, they can just uh, email me at david at givingtreecafe.com and I'm happy to send them a recipe. Well, I can think of at least a couple of recipes that I'd like from you, but I'm off sugar right now. <laughs> so when I get back on the, uh, and I want to have something really decadent, I know exactly what I want from you. I'm uh, there for it, you, Karen. The chocolate mousse. It's just amazing. Is it a mousse? We have a couple of different chocolate pies. One of them is more of a uh, ganache that we do. That's it, the ganache. That's it. The cacao heaven. Mm. And then we've got a chocolate mousse pie with a hazelnut crust that's also pretty nice. And oh. quite frankly, it's it's not only health food. It, they're two of the healthiest dishes in the whole restaurant. Really? What kind Absolutely. of sweetener What kind of sweetener do you use in it? The, um, the chocolate hazelnut pie is sweetened with dates, and a little bit of maple syrup. And the uh, cacao heaven is just sweetened with raisins and dates. Hmm. All right, good to know. And that's really the key to it. We don't use processed sugars at all in the restaurant. We don't use um, uh, processed sugars or oil. The only salt we use is Himalayan salt. Um, hmm. The only oil that we cook with is uh, coconut oil. Excellent. So it's actually a key to really healthy eating is being really with your salts and your sugars and your fats. 
Yes, every single thing. Well, and I found out years ago that even your spices are laden with things that shouldn't be in them, like cinnamon has also got um, sawdust in it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. among other things. And so I grind my own spices now, which is, Excellent. it really makes a, a wonderful aroma in the kitchen when you're doing that. So my next question here is, um, I hear from most restaurateurs that it's too expensive to serve organic foods. What's your response to that? I'm, I'm kind of, that's a hard one. Um, in America, our restaurants have kind of evolved to the place where restaurateurs think that they need to put the most amount of plate on the, uh, is possible in order to satisfy their guests. And so oftentimes a plate's put in front of us and you look at the size of it, it's like three times the size of your stomach. Uh-huh. We know that there's no way we can possibly eat it. And yet at the end of the meal, it's gone. And um, that whole evolution and how it's happened, we don't really have the time to talk about, right? But it's one of the most unhealthy things we can possibly do. Mm-hmm. In other words, a small amount of actually nutritional laden food is much more beneficial than a huge pile of food that has almost no nutritional value in it yeah. and is mostly carbs or mostly proteins that are difficult or impossible to digest. And so part of it is a re-education that's necessary in our world, but we know ourselves if we're making our own food at home, that if you're making, for instance, some sautéed spinach and garlic and mushrooms and a little bit of quinoa and uh, some uh, heirloom carrots with it, just a small amount of that will actually physically fill you up because, again, Mm -hmm. it's not just a visual and a size thing, but most people don't know this, but they think that when they feel hungry, that means that there's no food in their stomach and they need to to eat a meal to put food in their stomach. But actually, your body sends you messages to be hungry when you're actually nutritionally deprived. Yes. And so that's one of the reasons, by the way, that you can eat a big meal – and a half an hour later, you're still hungry because you actually haven't satisfied that nutritional need. And so when we eat smaller quantities of organic, healthy food and are completely sustained, we're doing our body so much service because it's much easier and quicker to digest that food. So your body isn't in uh, overdrive, continually processing and digesting mm-hmm. food. And the food is more easily and readily available to the bloodstream so that you can actually assimilate the nutrition, nutritional value much quicker so that you don't, you not only don't have hunger, but you're actually nutritionally sustained for a longer period of time. Yeah. And well, so something. Actually, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Actually, I only eat two meals a day. I eat a really healthy brunch type of meal and I eat a really big salad at around between three o'clock and five o'clock in the afternoon. And, and that's all I eat all day long. And I'm completely nutritionally satisfied all the time. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to um, relate to friends and family for years that it's, uh, it's not good to eat everything on your plate when you're in a restaurant necessarily, especially when it's dead food. Mm-hmm. You eat when you're hungry. And, and the way that we as Westerners have been taught to eat is 
breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You eat the uh, small breakfast if you even eat breakfast at all. You eat a, a, a medium lunch and you eat a, a huge dinner. And that's totally upside down for one exactly. thing. Um, you, you only need a handful, literally a handful of nutritious food when you're hungry. And you eat the least amount of food before you go to bed. Not the most, because then your your body spends all night trying to digest, and it doesn't have time to digest everything that you put in it. So that goes in moves into your fat, and it just it's it's a vicious cycle. So yeah, I eat when I'm hungry. I snack on nuts or fruits during the day or vegetables, and I very seldom find myself hungry. So. Yeah. And what does uh, sustainability mean to you, David? Uh, sustainability is one of my favorite processes, and it's uh, first and foremost in my manifesto when you walk into the restaurant. I talk about sustainability all the time, um, especially as if you can look at what the lack of sustainability means. It means extinction. Mm-hmm. Um, it means extinction if we're referring to the planet. It means extinction if we're talking about our own lives. It means extinction if you're talking about a relationship. So sustainability is first and foremost in everything I do. It comes in front of love, actually. Um, so sustainability for the planet means that we're keeping the planet in as good a shape as we found it or better for seven generations to come. We all know, we hear it all the time, that our planet is very, very rapidly getting to the point where we will become unsustainable, and that means that we'll have huge die-offs of our population. Mm -hmm. We know that by 2050, I think it was Lancet that did this study, I'm pretty sure, that by 2050, the world population will be such that there isn't enough land mass on the planet to produce the food in the, in the way that we're producing it now to feed the people, which means there'll be literally millions of peoples that were, will be dying of, of starvation. And in order to prevent that, Lancet did a study back in 2019, and the study included world climate, included world population, it included starvation, it included world health. And they came up with a solution. And it wasn't like they had four or five solutions and this was the best one. They said, this is the one and only way that we are going to be able to become sustainable as a planet. And it's literally today we need to switch to a plant-based diet. And we need to get to the point where the average human being on the planet is eating only one serving of meat per week. Hmm. And it's because the factory farming aspect of what it is that we're doing to feed the majority of the people on the planet just isn't sustainable. Yeah. So to get back to your, to your question, what does sustainability mean to me? It means that everything I do is 100% sustainable, which means I have to be organic. I have no choice because pesticides and herbicides in my body or on the planet is not sustainable, even a little bit. Um, so it has to be 100%. For me, it also means that I'm not going to eat meat at all because factory farming, which is where we get 95% of our meat and dairy, 
is not a sustainable industry. There's so much methane gas put into the air from the cows and chickens that it's actually choking off our air supply. Mm-hmm. Um, it's even more critical and more important than using fossil fuels for transportation. It's number one now. And it's such an easy fix. And it's such a delicious fix, it's silly not to. Um, but sustainability, even sustainability in relationship is so important. Um, when I talk about, when I do counseling with people in relationship, I talk about sustainability first. And sustainability means treating others the way that you want to be treated so yeah. that you can carry on your relationship as far as it wants to go. Um, and so my sustainability with the planet means that I'm simply not going to do anything that's going to harm her. And if I have to do something like drive my car to work, if I can't take my, if I can't ride the bike that day, I'm going to plant enough trees every year to offset my carbon footprint so that the end result is I'm on the positive side of the carbon, not on the negative side. Does that make sense? Yes, I love that. Well, how can other businesses or restaurants practice this uh, sustainability and integrity if they're not organic? If they're not organic, quite frankly, they can't be sustainable. Yeah. It's just impossible. Because non-organic means that there's pesticides and herbicides and Roundup and glyphosate, etc., in the food supply, which means it's uh, causing damage to our physical bodies as far as our digestive tracts and leaky guts and uh, etc. It's also it's polluting the, the earth in such a way that it takes several generations of uh, planting to clean up that mess in the soil which is something that is unsustainable and it's also mm-hmm. unsustainable in our waterways. Yeah. So we're polluting the air, polluting the water, polluting our own bodies, polluting the earth by using herbicides and pesticides that are completely unnecessary. You know, they were told we were told 50, 60 years ago that using these chemicals is going to give us better crops and larger crops and faster crops so that we can feed the world. And yet today we have more starving people than ever before. At a certain point, we have to stop and wake up and say the emperor has no clothes. We need to do something different. This system yeah. simply is not working. And, and a lot of the people that are starving are actually obese. Exactly. And that's a, a real conundrum because they're walking around with all of this toxicity in their body from everything that they've been eating and they're starving to death, literally exactly. starving to death. Well, if, friend, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, like your friend, like so many people that we know that uh, have weight problems and diabetes, et cetera, they, they don't put two and two together or one and one together and, and realize or understand what the food they're eating is doing to their bodies and to the planet. If you could exactly. deliver one message to everyone on the planet, what would that be, David? Um, I guess the most important message, Karen, I really believe is let's take personal responsibility for things in our sphere. I, I know that I'm not going to heal the entire planet other than by myself. However, I've got a sphere of influence. It's in Phoenix and it's in Scottsdale and it's in, it's in Sedona. And I can influence that sphere. I can take charge of that. And if we all take charge of our own families and our own selves, 
and then the sphere of people around us by influencing them in a healthy way, that's all we really need to do. In other words, uh, one of the reasons we've got Giving Tree Cafe is because we truly wanted to be the change that we'd like to see. Mm-hmm. And we know that we're not going to wait around for someone else or government or or other ideas to change. We have to be the change that we want to see. And in doing so, we take full responsibility for what it is that we can have uh, an influence on. And from there, it bridges, it uh, ripples out because the higher vibration of a healthy, vibrant planet is a much uh, healthier vibration than the lower vibration of one that we're destroying. And people really do want to save the planet. We all really do want to do that. Oftentimes, we just don't know where the bridge is. So for us, influencing our own world as best we can and taking charge of our own family and charge of our own friends as much as we can influence them, that's the best we can do. Wow. Thank you so much. Welcome. I want to remind our our listeners to like our show on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram, and give us five-star ratings. And again, you can find more information about our topics of discussion today on all the top social media platforms and on uh, David's Chocolatree, let's see, Facebook, Twitter, etc., And then you can click on the link here on my host page to check out my book, God Made Organics, Not GMOs, and watch the What the Food 8-Minute Documentary trailer at whatthefoodfilm.org. You can make a tax-deductible donation to the What the Food nonprofit organizations where proceeds from your purchases and donations go toward our documentary work in progress. And you can check out heavenlyyoga.com, that's with one Y, Heavenly Yoga, to subscribe to my free newsletter with my own delicious recipes and a chance to win a one-year subscription to my 24-7 online yoga classes. And tune in next week for my interview with another member of our documentary team, Victoria Abel. Last week, we had Haley Hyatt. Learn how an addiction nutritionist helps addicts and everyday people figure out what foods do and do not work best for their individual needs. Thank you again, David, for sharing your passion for health and clean food with our listeners. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Karen. My pleasure. And always, I remind our listeners to be kind to yourselves and to our planet. Thank you for joining host Karen Van Barneveld and What the Food. Be sure to tune in for another episode next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon.